Yo fam, how we doing? Hey, want to touch base with you real quick before we get into the show about your health and your wellness and are you taking care of it? TulipTreeGardensCO.com. That is the place where I get my CBD for all of my health and wellness needs. I'm not joking one minute. I have sciatic problems, the inflammation issues have all been taken care of, my pain, and I'll tell you, I sleep better because of CBD. Are you trying it? I know a lot of people are skeptical, but... I think it's worth it. Check them out. TulipTreeGardenCO.com. Support those that support the show because they have been here from the get. TulipTreeGardenCO.com. All right, now. Let's get in the show. Yo, Top of the Morning fam, how we doing? Happy Monday. Hey, we've got an exciting show with Peter Jones. We're going to go over this Packers historical sack list. You know, this has been adjusted with some great guys going in some deep dives into stats pre-1982. Things about to change. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to us out there on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Make sure you like and subscribe. We appreciate you. Five-star ratings. About that time. Get it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Fastest Rising Podcast of Packer Nation. Talk it into reality, guys. Uh, but we have a great guest on again today. No other than the goat of the UK, Peter Jones. Peter, how we doing? We're doing, we're doing pretty good, Eric. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're awesome. We're awesome. Eric, uh, down there in the uh, bottom of the screen, man, you have one of the coolest Green Bay Packer hats on. Uh, I love it. How we doing, buddy? We're doing fine, but must be a sort of a Mac PC issue because what you always say down and up, and I, it's never for me. It's always across the top, <laughs> so um, <laughs> where the where the folks display. But anyways, we're doing just fantastic. Having some serious internet uh, uh, interruptions this morning. Hopefully this holds. Yeah. So if you drop off, uh, we're just gonna keep rolling and hope you come back. So uh, don't stop the fight with the uh, charter internet up there in northern wisconsin hey uh guys what a fun weekend i mean not a whole lot to talk about in football but i have to tell you i have completely jumped off the conor mcgregor bandwagon i don't know if you're a ufc fan peter but uh what i saw from that guy who i have purchased damn near every pay-per-view he's been on and am one of those guys that has helped him become you know the uh, highest paid uh fighter in ufc history and the way he has taken his losses the last few weeks, I just, mm, I've never seen kind of sportsmanship like that from somebody who lost and the excuses that come up. And uh, that's where my head was at because I didn't have any basketball or real Packer news to focus on. What do you think about them apples, Peter? <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a huge boxing fan, Eric. Not so much, not so much UFC, but obviously I know of Conor McGregor with his fighting of money mayweather whenever that was and all of yeah. that nonsense but uh i'm not not big into ufc but yeah it's uh i mean I'm did not... you see did you see what he said to dustin poirier's wife you know i mean once you're bringing in wives and stuff like that just uh the class goes out the window so for the record i'm officially off the mcgregor bandwagon let's usher in the uh dustin poirier era eric what did you think about those fights man well, it's the same guy that I told you he was when he burst onto the scene. Uh, entirely uh, one of the perhaps most gifted fighters ever, but a turd. And that's always been the case. Never liked him, always rooted against him. Mm. 
Um, and when you're getting picked on by Jose Aldo now, you are <laughs> you are swimming and swirling. <laughs> Uh, that's for sure. Um, Packer news, nothing fantastic out there. We got the Bucks that are going game four starting tonight. Hey, thanks everybody out there for listening to the Andy Herman podcast, episode 101. Listen, that was a blast. Uh, I would love to get Andy back on to talk just Bucks because that was such a fun conversation, and we are in the thick of that, Eric. I don't know, uh, Peter, I don't know how you feel about the NBA over in the UK, but right now, uh, I mean, the first time in my lifetime. It's, uh, it's yeah. Been- it's one of those sports that's got a it's got a pretty decent following, which has increased, I think, over the last over the last decade or decade mm-hmm. or so. I, I'm not a great NBA person myself. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I had to tweet to find out what was going on with the Bucks a couple of weeks ago because I could see all this hysteria. Hysteria on Twitter was was growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Um but yeah, as it's it's very exciting and and like you say, game four tonight, and if they can win tonight and even up the series, it will be, well, a three-game series then. So yeah. it's uh, very, 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 very exciting. I know that you guys are getting hugely excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. Big game. It's a, you know, the a 2-2 is in any anyone series. Yeah. A 3-1 becomes extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the, with two more in their building. So, yeah, it's a must-win tonight. Go Bucks. I mean, it's just in my lifetime, you know, I've heard about the Luel Cinder, you know, though that was before my time. And, uh, well, I was born then actually, and never have had any kind of finals appearance. So it's exciting. It's a different vibe. I really enjoyed watching basketball right now. And I've really enjoyed watching the refs, uh, call fouls that are just, you know, <laughs> like nothing I've ever seen. They're just phantom fouls. For them. But anyway, sorry. I, I think, I, I, I think. For the little bit that I know and I watch, I think I think the I think the refs in basketball have a have a really hard time. Oh, you know, from, it's um, I mean, it's bad enough in football, but I think those guys in basketball have a really really difficult time. Yeah, but, yeah uh, they do. Well, you know who else yeah. has a difficult time, Peter, is uh, statisticians, and uh, for the NFL. And what an awesome thing that has happened recently uh, that we're going to get into here is that, you know, the draft. Are the sack stats edit that stat stacks uh, started in 1982, and there's been a lot of question about you know who is the greatest sack artist, but now there's a couple of guys that have dug into the history, coaches' notes, film, everything to get true stats, and uh, it's about damn time, isn't it? Yeah, it really it really is, and and you know from a from a personal point of view kind of with the with my history hat on and being a kind of statistician almost by by trade in my working working years I am um, it's really it's really exciting and you know about 25 years ago I created huge spreadsheets of Packers all-time leaders in this that and this that and the other you know and I looked at the sack numbers then and thought I wonder if anybody could go back before 1982 and get the real numbers so, so I started doing some searching around, and that's when I first came across a little bit of the work that, that these two guys, John Turney and Nick Webster, were doing. You know, and they had some sack numbers way way back then. But clearly, I guess, and I, I don't know these two these two gentlemen other than they are members of the PFRA, like I am. I've seen them post on forums and stuff. Um, but clearly, you know, over the last 25 years, however long they've been working on this, more and more stuff has become available in terms of game books, in terms of game film, in terms of 
their access, as you said, to get coaches' notes. I uh, know that they've been through the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame archives, newspaper reports, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to compile these numbers. And it's, it's an exceptional, painstaking piece of work. Um, you know, and a, a lots of what you would expect to be available isn't always there. So even the NFL play-by-plays are not all there. You know, as the further you go back, the less of them that are there, the less detailed they are. They, you know, even where they're there, they talk about things like, you know, Tarkenton sacked for a six-yard loss, but doesn't tell you who who made the sack, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, it's a real um, painstaking piece of work and it's just exceptional. And it's great, I think, as... I think for all football fans, but especially for Packers fans, it's great now to see Willie Davis at the top of the list where we always knew he should be. Um, so, yeah, really good. Peter, question for you. I followed this from the uh, from the Packers perspective. Yeah. But but as long as as uh, 15 or 20 years ago, uh, the number bandied about for the league record. Um, was was Deacon Jones at over 200. Has has anyone ever gone back and, and done or have these guys, are they just, just Packers or? Have, no, it, so, so they've done, they've done every game did, back, did, back did to 1960. Um, did they come up with a number on Deacon Jones? Yeah, it, was a, it was off the top of my th- head. I think it was 173.5. Um, it's definitely in the 170s. Now there, there is a little bit of a caveat on some of these numbers in that not every, not every single game yet has become available. So as they've gone back into, I think, through the 1980s, I think they had 99, or through the 1970s, I think they had 99% of all games, and then through the 1960s, something like, I can't remember the numbers, 80% or 85% of all games. So there's so there's some numbers that they haven't yet been able to, to dig out. So it wouldn't surprise me, for example, if Deacon Jones's number isn't closer to 200, and certainly in Willie Davis's case, it's almost certain that that real number's over 100. Can we talk about Willie Davis and why he would have that many sacks? What was that defensive scheme all about? Well, it's an int- and it's, 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 it's an interesting one, of course, because he was almost a cast-off trade from, from Cleveland to, to Green Bay. And um, I think that, yeah, it was a coming together of at the right time of a number of great players well coached by Phil Bankston on on defense and if you look at the 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 defense i mean who who do you who do you double team on that defense when you've got Willie Davis when you've got Henry Jordan you know and then behind those guys you've got Nitschke and you've got Dan Curry and later you've got Hall of Famer Dave Robinson it's it's pretty difficult on that front on that front seven you, you you're almost bound to give up stuff and interestingly of course Willie Davis played the left defensive end like Reggie like Reggie White did whereas you know today's premier pass rushers typically play play on the right side but of course back in the early 60s um, through the mid 60s that tight end position wasn't as predominant as it as it is as it is now so I think I think from the left defensive end there wasn't as much of a disadvantage perhaps as being pass rusher is today but yeah I mean Willie Davis had it all didn't he you know he was cat quick you know really quick off the line 
very, very, very strong. Um, you know, would bull would bulldoze rushes if he if he had to. Had all the moves. It just had he just had everything, and was a guy that just developed as well from 60 to 61, 62 through that. You know, the the, the triple crown, 65, 66, 67. Just a tremendous, tremendous pass rusher lining up. You know, next to Henry Jordan, um, Hog Hanner, and then Ron Kostelnik. and of course Lionel Aldridge at the right end in the second half of the 60s was an exceptional, exceptional pass rusher as well. <laughs> One of the things that I, that you can go back, and if you have access to all the tape, you can come up with the numbers. What you can't make up for uh, is 10 and 12 game seasons versus 16 game or 14 and 16 yep. game seasons. And if you look at just the, 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 the 60s, that's that's forty years or three and a half or th- more than three and a half extra seasons that these guys should have had or could have had in in a perfect world for an ideal comparison, um, but that that's it's tremendous. And Willie Davis, uh, highlight tapes for me only, but uh, what what uh, what a tremendous athlete! Oh, goodness uh, gracious! Uh, absolutely, and you know, did it in the big games. As well, you know, across the two Super Bowls, Super Bowl one and Super Bowl two, he he unofficially had five sacks across those two games. So we talk about Reggie having those three sacks in Super Bowl thirty one. Willie Davis had three sacks in Super Bowl two, unofficial record. Um, but you know, he did it. He did it in the big games as well, which I think was synonymous of those teams. Yeah, they played well in the regular season, but when they got to the big games, you know. Nine and one in the playoff games in the sixties, um, they all raised seem to raise themselves even further, and that and that for me is what the mark of great players to be able to do it when it really really counts. Gosh, that's really interesting. I mean, this I'm trying to look at his size, and I mean for a defensive end at that time, six three two forty three. Look at imagine the defensive ends right now. I mean, that's a, a whole different ball game. But it looks yeah. like. From a 15th round draft pick, just the story of him is awesome. We're going to really need to deep dive into Willie Davis one day in our former Packer profile, guys, because, uh, wow, that's, that's incredible. As well as, you know, they don't have any, any sacks down right now for his Cleveland years. Am I correct on that? Yeah. And so 1960 is missing. So, so I know from the, when I've seen the research of, of, of John Tony and Nick Webster before, they had at least five and a half sacks for 1960 for Willie Davis, which would put him at 99. Yeah, because they have a 93 right now. Yeah, 93 and a half, yeah. And but they don't have anything from 1958, 1959 with Cleveland. No, and I, and I don't know whether their intention is to try and go back further. I would imagine it probably is, having done this piece of work. Why not see how much further we can, we can go back? Yeah. And certainly there's a year, I think it's 1963, so I think, has he got eight and a half sacks in 63? He has eight and a half, yep. Yeah. So I think that's a year where there's two or three Packers games where they don't have the detail. So it's possible that that number's higher as well. <laughs> so, so, you know, so it's fair to say that the number is closer to, let's call it 110 than it is 93. Yeah. Yeah, well, what a list of sacks, uh, the leading sack artists here. Boy, oh, boy. And, and, you know, and it's great, you know, it's great beyond Willie Davis to see Ezra Johnson on that on that list because, you know, we remember him from the late 70s and 80s <laughs> as, a great, as a great pass rusher. We, rem- we remember his hot dogs. 
Um, <laughs> um, but, but you know, that that's that's fantastic because that's a guy that could easily, if it weren't for the hot dog, it's, that's a guy that could easily kind of get lost in the history. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, you know, his eighty odd sacks, tremendous, tremendous pass rusher. Yeah. And 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 probably would have had more if he played on on some better teams and you know played on defenses that were predominantly the four three, whereas you know they switched to the three four, which didn't suit him early in the eighties. And yeah, I mean, it's good to see Ezra, Ezra Johnson on on that list. And yeah. um, you know he uh, he also had a bunch of sacks with um, the Colts and the Oilers after he left after he left the Packers. So. You know his number, his career number is in the high in the high nineties. Man, oh man, man, oh man. It's uh, it, it's something else when we're talking about all the people we've talked about as the great sack artists in that era. How impactful is that? That's what I'm trying to process right now. Does anybody else know how to process that? Like, uh, you know, we're looking at 20 sacks now is the benchmark in a in, in a 16 game season, you know, 12, 14 game seasons. Um, the injuries, just the way the defense is—that's it's pretty incredible production. Yeah, it really is. And if you and if you think of you know Lawrence Taylor's name, you know Lawrence Taylor, great player, obviously one of the greatest outside linebackers ever played. But his name was made by the ability to rack up those sack numbers in the in the you know early to mid 80s. Yeah. Now imagine if sacks weren't an official stat when Lawrence Taylor was playing. Um, you know, yes, we would still know him as a great player, but he would have been lost in the midst of time with all of the, with the Willie Davises and the Deacon Joneses, and really not knowing quite how good he was. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you have the list uh, up by chance? I have the unofficial leaders table here. I don't have the Packers specific list. I do. But- do you have that specific list? I, I just I just want to throw out one thing here though before we get into the Packers. When I looked at this list of all-time sack, Jason Taylor surprised me the most when I read that list. At number eleven with one hundred thirty-nine point five sacks from ninety-seven to two thousand eleven. I mean, that was a guy that completely flew under the radar. Knew he was a good player, but yeah. that many sacks completely caught me off guard when I read this list. Yeah, and, and it's amazing how that can happen when when players play on teams that that aren't dominant teams. Yeah, you know, we yeah. look at okay, the Bills didn't win a Super Bowl, but they went to four in a row, and we can sit here and name, you know, the stars on that team: the the, the Bruce Smiths, the Scott Thurman, Norwoods, Tim Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> um, Don Beebe, Don Beebe, obviously, whose career took a huge, huge leap upward in the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, but you know, but we can name them part because because they were in our faces all the time because they were in the playoff games, they were in Super Bowls, etc. And you're right, and and it does make you wonder how many J- other Jason Taylors there are out there. Yeah. A guy that just has kind of quietly slipped into, like you say, number eleven or whatever that is in the all-time sack number. If you look at some of the other um, statistics, um, career statistics, how many Jason Taylor types there are out there? Yeah. Shocking. All right, Eric, let's talk about that uh, Green Bay Packers uh, sack leaders list and talk about uh, those potential changes. This is fun. So, so, so number 10, we've got Clarence Williams, 40, 49 sacks. So Clarence Williams played for the Packers 71 to 77, I think. Mm. Um, 
And there's a guy that that, that did sack Fran Tarkenton three times in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, of I think it's the '72 game when the Packers clinched the the, the Central Division in '72, late late in the season there. Um, Clarence Williams, yeah, kind of one of those names that nice to see on the list, but one of those definitely one of those names that would slip under most people's you know, radars, um, nicknamed Big Cat, um, and, and Sweeney, often called Sweeney Williams, so it's because he was from Sweeney, Texas. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to see somebody like that make, make the list because, like I say, totally slipped under the radar. And, and I, think, I think lots of those guys, especially from those teams in the 70s, would otherwise slip under the radar. Um, Number nine, the great Henry Jordan, 50, 52 sacks. Um, sadly passed away very young, didn't he, in the, in the, mid, in the mid-70s. It was one of those guys, lost, lost, his, lost his hair, I think, quite young and always looked a lot older than he, than he was. But a, a great pass rusher from, from inside, you know, playing alongside first Hulk Hanner and then Ron Kostelnik at, at defensive tackle. Those guys shoring things up for the run and... And Henry Jordan, just a great, great, great pass rusher. How many years yeah. did he play? Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to say around a decade because he's another of those guys like like yeah. Willie Davis that came in a late 50s trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to say around a decade, but I can't I can't give you the exact years yeah. off, the, off, the, off the top of my head. I remember in 1986 signing a petition to the National Football League Hall of Fame Committee um, to to uh, in an in an effort to get him in, I went to college with his daughter. Right, and this is of course after he passed, and and she uh, um, she she led a uh, not quite Kramer like, but she led a, a very vigorous campaign to get her dad in, and uh, and there was there was a lot of talk. Very interesting uh, lady. Uh, unfortunately, this is I God, this I hit. I shouldn't say this. It's terribly sexist, but she looked an awful lot like him. She was. Uh, she was a that's really not sexist. <laughs> that's genetics. Um, that's great. She, she, uh, she would a w- be proud. Wonderful gal and looked like she could. She could lace them up. Tough girl. And of course, well, that that campaign obviously was successful because Henry got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is his rightful, rightful place. And um, and people forget again. You know, we always think of the Ice Bowl in '67, but of course, the week before, the Packers played the Rams in that playoff game Henry Jordan had three and a half sacks in that play in that playoff game of Roman Gabriel um, and the Rams were a tough tough team you know at that time mentioned Deacon Jones and Roman Gabriel and those and those guys so yeah you know another guy that brought it every week but was able to lift it up a level when it re- when it really counted do we have um, any kind of idea, like snap count to sack ratio at all? Is that something that's just popping in my head for everybody out there rolling their eyes right now? Clients must shut your big nose up right now. <laughs> Is it uh, because I just you know when we talk about Hall of Famers, people are going to look at uh, Henry Jordan and go fifty sacks. Come on, the impact though on that team. I you know I'm. Uh, this is why we need to have an Acme Army historical channel, just so we can replay some of those games, so uh, we can have a, a live chat and some beers and uh, look at these things and just revisit yeah, and exactly I, well, what the impact of these players. Yeah, were. I mean, I think at the very least, I mean, we could we could easily do a piece of 
I was going to say piece of work, piece of fun work for me, which would just be picking up on the points you've both raised, at least look at the number of games that they played and do a ratio of sacks to games and look at it by position. Because remember, Henry was playing inside a defensive tackle. Then, you know, we need to compare him not with the great pass rushing ends or outside linebackers. We need to compare him with other defensive tackles in kind of in the era in which he played. Yeah. Um, well said. Well said. All right, no, let's let, let, let's not hold it up. No, who's number eight? Number eight, Aaron Campman. Should should we have let him go to the Jaguars? Should we have resigned him? Well, I mean, the the, the the problem there was because that was kind of he had you know two or three really good years, didn't he? And then they switched the defense from a three uh, from a four three to a three four and moved him to outside linebacker, and he was it was never quite the same. Nope. after that so I guess as much of anything I think it was probably just a fit thing at that time and um you know super super pass rusher and dominant pass rusher for those yeah, for those two or three two or three seasons really really good player um yeah he Solid made some model. money off those sacks that's for sure money 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 he uh he signed a nice contract what was his total Peter 50 54 hmm. You know, and I and I without having the numbers in front of me, I'm gonna I would imagine that most of those came in about a three season stretch, I would mm -hmm. I would I would think. Yeah. Well, and that the previous point too kind of comes in right there, uh, in that you have a, a, a relatively modern edge guy, an end, uh, with, with sitting roughly in the same spot that Henry Jordan yeah. is rushing from the middle. That yeah. that's that's an illustration of, of uh, Jordan's value. Yeah, absolutely for sure. Absolutely. And then the guy just above Aaron Campman, one of my one of my personal favorites, great, great pass rusher. 55 sacks for the Packers, Timmy Harris. <laughs> you betcha. Um, yeah, and and again, this is a guy that yeah, for, for Packers fans that we will never, never forget, you know, because dominant, you know, dominant, dominant pass rusher. But across the league, I guess probably other than 49ers fans, because that's where he ended up playing after the Packers. Yeah. It's probably a name that doesn't come to too, you know, to too many minds. Mm -hmm. um, but in that period, you know, that late 80s, early 90s period, he was as good a pass rusher as there was in the league, bar none, yeah. bar none. Uh, and an interesting character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Didn't he have some kind of a nickname that had cat in it as well? I'm trying to remember, he had some kind of an interesting nickname. But he was a big, big dude. Goodness gracious! He, he, he was, and you know, a dominant. Yeah, the old, the old six shooters mm -hmm. um, back celebration. Um, you know, and, you know, probably, you know, in that period of time, give or take a Sterling Sharp here and there, the best player the Packers had. Yeah, the only player on the defense for a stretch. I mean, it's, there was just nothing there. He certainly seemed that way. And there, was, there was one year, and I can't remember whether it was 88 or 89, that he had nine, 19 sacks. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so fanta fantastic. It's good, good, to talk about, to, good to talk about Timmy Harris. Well, the, the, the other way to, to, to sort of expand that a little is that when he is the, the, the only threat on your defense, he's facing extra scheme every week, yeah. making each and every sack harder to get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah abs absolutely. You know, and it's again, it's difficult to overstate how good he was in that in that period. And like you say, on some 
not such great teams. But 19 sacks is 19 sacks. I don't care yeah. who you are, where you are, what you do. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, I just remember Tim Harris's the way that he would line up. He was he was so tall, a little thinner, but he had just the perfect angles. He was just so just perfectly angled in his three point stance and just blew off. Oh, it reminds me of another guy. Maybe he's on the list. Is Bonnie Holiday on the list? No. So Bonnie Holiday was on the old list. So he okay. was Bonnie's got 30, 32 sacks. Yeah. So he was he was he's Bonnie's ninth on the official list. It right. doesn't make our doesn't make our new list. I liked his stance too. Um, so above Timmy Harris at number six, Lionel Aldridge, mm. who we've already mentioned, six sixty two sacks. You know, most of his career was in the late the late sixty mid to late sixties for the for the Packers. Um, into the early seventies, it was then then traded. Um, again, yeah, the, there are years where he had a number of years where he had double digit sacks um, in fourteen game in fourteen game seasons. Dominant pass rusher from from the outside. Um, uh, it's difficult to talk about Lionel Aldridge, and we'll probably get into this in an, another occasion perhaps we'll do Lionel Aldridge and Willie Davis together or whatever as a yeah. history piece but it's difficult to talk about Lionel Aldridge without kind of mentioning that you know difficult time later later in life very sad time um but you know a, a super super pass rusher number six in Packers all-time list <clears throat> I mean, it's not a bad list right now. I don't know anything about Lionel Aldridge. Um, that's a good idea. We should do a – got to highlight these guys. I mean, there, there is a lot of people out there that really enjoy hearing about some of these old players. It's a uh, great fill of time while we're looking to do something, and it's a uh, valuable time. You know, you learn a little something on them. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Like All you, right, you number know, five. Oh, sorry. W- one just quick point. You know, we, we talk about – um, the Packers being where they are now because of, of Brett Favre and then and then the stewardship of Aaron Rodgers afterwards. You know, the Green Bay Packers weren't the most popular, most visited on the road team in the league uh, in the early days. Um, it's the guys that built the dynasty in the 60s. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where uh, Packer uh, fandom was passed down generationally. And that's why you see in every corner of the country, Packer bars and Packer organizations. And when they go to the kingdom with Brett Favre, there's 25,000 Packer fans in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, and then when I'm, I'm what I'm trying to get to uh, in our, inartfully is the, the idea of us doing some more deep dives with the, with the guys that uh, made us into the national phenomenon that we are would be all of it's fun, but the special yeah. fun with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, who's number five, Peter? Number five, the great Reggie White, mm. 68 and a half sacks. I guess he played for the Packers 93 to 98, so six years with the with the Packers. Um, 68, so he, he had 198 in his career. Yeah, yeah. The impact he had with us, and he still... Yeah, it... it, it Go to the to Super Bowl with the Packers Hall of Fame. Yeah, and the, and uh, yeah, and the and the numbers with the Packers over those six years, you know, his numbers are, are exceptional. But the numbers still don't do his impact justice. Yeah, do they? Just just yeah. just the signing the signing of Reggie White in '93 took the franchise from being where it where it was to 
this is a franchise that's right up there competing national prominence it's a franchise that's not messing around that believes it can win for the first time in three decades mm-hmm. let's um, take a look at this real quick i don't want to interrupt but okay so he signed a four-year 19 million dollar contract in 1992 the most dominant defensive player could we say he was in his prime was he just on the other side of his prime still valuable I would say this would be like, you know, getting J.J. Watt a couple of years ago. Four years, $19 million. J.J. Watt would have signed for $120 million for four years. Whatever, 125 a year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah and... Um, yeah, it really is. And, and, and you're right. I mean, I think that he was just over the top of his over the top of his prime but was such a great player that 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 there was no drop off if you like the drop off was infinitesimal if that's a word mm-hmm. um you know he had those great years with the eagles where he you know was just one of the best the the, the league has ever has ever seen you know and and even before the eagles he had two or three great years in the usfl that people forget about so just mm-hmm. You know, if you if you added his USFL sacks on top of his NFL sacks, then he's number one on the you know number one on the list. I mean, I think there's a year. I think he had something like 23 sacks in the USFL in one year, and 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 that season finished, you know, in about March or April, and then he went to the Eagles and started the next season in September for the for the Eagles and had, you know, I don't know, 21 sacks or some some silly number and just yeah. Just a just a great great player as we know, and so above above Reggie is KGB, 70, 74 and a half sacks. One of Eric's favorite players to uh, <laughs> reference of all time, next to Sam Congato, KGB. <laughs> Fantastic effort guy. Um, uh, certainly at the time was a super locker room guy as well. He's he's gotten a little bit on the crazy side. <laughs> in the last few years um isn't he a but, uh, happens to all of us oh but i don't think so peter <laughs> I don't know. sending armed guards into churches is not something that most of us think is appropriate <laughs> oh he was fantastic yeah. you know one one quick backup real quick on on, on reggie white you know it, it'd be inaccurate not to point out that he had the help that uh, that tim harris didn't but if you could look at a, a 300. And there goes the internet. He had a really profound point right now. And um, what he was going to say, I'll finish his words for him. <laughs> if Reggie White didn't have the compliments, would we say Tim Harris is the greatest defensive Packer of all time? That's what his question was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> And you're froze. All right, let's move on. Let's hit number four, Peter. We'll edit this out. So, so number four was so number four was was KG. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Number three. Yeah. So so number three, Ezra Johnson. Ezra Johnson. Gosh, see, that so, was a guy in my childhood that I loved. Ezra Johnson, Charles Johnson, all kinds of Johnsons around on that defense. <laughs> now that's how I remember those. But Ezra was just number ninety, right? Sorry. Yeah. 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 Number ninety. Yeah. yeah. Number ninety. Yeah. Um, 
82 sacks for the Packers. And like I said before, the, the career total is closer to 100 because he had you know a number of sacks after he left the Packers right at the end of his career. Wow. Um, but yeah, yeah, just a again, you know, a, a dominant pass rusher had a great year, 78. And this is one of the interesting ones. So the Packer media guide talks about that 78 season as him having 20 and a half sacks. Um, in the in the work that John Turney and Nick Webster have done, yeah. they think that number's 17 and a half. <laughs> so, so, so even even the media guides have discrepancies with probably what 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 uh, what really happened. But um, yeah, had five sacks in the game in that season, and I think it was a season opener against Detroit. And I'm not sure if all of those sacks didn't come in the second half of that game as well. Wow. Um, well, so yeah, Derek Thomas like performance. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, and just mentioning Derek Thomas as a complete aside, that seven sacks is still, you know, is is still the number one in in league history. I mean, did um, you I, do you remember that game? Do you, do you remember? That I remember game? it happen. I remember it happening. Yeah. You know, but I but I don't remember the game the game itself. It um, was it was unbelievable. You almost thought. He, Slow down, dude. Stop beating up on the tackle right now. Stop. <laughs> Just, we get it. We get it, Derek. You know, that's how I felt. I was a kid, but uh, he was on fire. What a player. Anyway, number two. Number two, Clay Matthews. Mm. So, you know. That's my mom's favorite player. You know, she has his jersey. She loves his long hair. Still thinks he could probably uh, make an impact on the Green Bay Packers today. But uh, man, he was fun, and one of, and one of one of my favourite players. I mean, I grew up as a as a big fan of his of his dad. Yeah, um, you know, I've spoken to Jennifer, the close sister, about about their dad, and mm -hmm. yeah, so so yeah, just a great a great player. Um, and I think when you look at the numbers, um, I think an even more dominant player than people realise. You know, for that period of time, for half a decade or so, um, and, yeah, and we'll never forget again. You know that Super Bowl, that play at the beginning of the fourth quarter. You know, split picket and all, and, and all of that. That's a play that, you know, is one of those plays in Packer history. And there's so many great plays in Packer history, so many mm -hmm. important plays in Packer history. But that one's right up there. Yeah, you know. Um, sure we have kind of recency bias and what have you but but even so that's still one of the great plays Unbelievable. because of everything that surrounded it and how important it was at that time of the game one yeah. of the great plays in packers history yeah um that was mendenhall right i, I can't remember who the ball carrier was yeah. but i think so Gosh, I, I just uh, I remember when he was uh, we were such big fans. This is just a quick uh, story. I was living in Minneapolis at the time, Peter, and um, I was I was going to a wedding and I'm listening to the NFL uh, draft and we had selected BJ and we were like, oh, man, really, really liked um, the idea that we could have had Clay Matthews because it fit what we needed, right? It fit what we needed in there. And you saw at the USC film and every time that they played, yeah, you had um, uh, 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 the, the two other guys, the two other linebackers there. I think it was Ray and, uh, and, and what's his name? Bush. Uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Cushman. Is that his name? Brian Cushman? Yeah. 
uh, the other linebacker. And what he did in, in maybe it was the hair, maybe it look, made him look faster on film, but he was wild in, in, in how he. So I remember going to this wedding and listening to it. And when the Packers were announced as trading up, I about damn near drove off the road. <laughs> I, was, I screamed, Clay Matthews! Screaming, Peter. No lie. We selected him. It was one of the greatest. Because all he did was produce every time. Now, there were the seasons when he got uh, banged up pretty bad. We didn't have much up front. You know, We didn't have a whole lot up front to, to help him out. But he was always producing. I just, you know, when we played San Francisco and there were these wide highways to run through and you saw Clay Matthews getting dashed and run past it. Uh, it's time. Boomer's back. How we doing, man? <laughs> Sorry about that, gentlemen. It's the life in the Northwoods with crappy Internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just talking about the number two sack artist of all time on the Green Bay Packers list, and that was Clay Matthews. Yes, yeah, so we talked that day, Ark. Way back screaming about the move up to to select him after we already had bj mm. and um you know one of the one of the other interesting things uh, pro football reference does a thing called approximate value where in essence they put a value on every season that every player has ever played and they use a whole bunch of criteria for it and and sure you know people are going to say well the criteria blah 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 but it's but it's a good way of doing some comparison and i think and I've not checked it recently, but I've got a feeling that Clay Matthews' 2010 season may be the highest-rated approximate value season by a Packer defender in history. Um, yeah, it's yeah, certainly right up there. And something in the in in my head says it might have been the top one. And I, I think that, as we said before, I think for for that half a decade or so was a was a dominant, dominant player and a super football player. You know, he played very, very well when they moved him inside yeah. in 2015, 20, um, So, yeah, uh, uh, a great, a great, great player, influenced big games, as we've said again. And um, what, what, what more, what more can be said? We miss him. We miss him, you know, yeah. and we miss having that player. But, yeah, we get a taste of that kind of energy with Zedarius, but uh, still not as contagious, I think, as uh, as Clay was. Was I, maybe it was the Predator? Maybe it was the Predator celebration, man. My kid used to do it. Luca used to do it, just arms wide, ah, screaming. He loved them. All right, number one on the list. Make no mistake, <laughs> Peter Jones, the great, the great, the great Willie Davis, and and you know you can just picture that number eighty-seven bearing down on the quarterback every time you think of Willie Davis. You just see him. Bearing down on some poor quarterback somewhere, <laughs> and you know, and as, I think as we as we all know, one of the nicest guys after retirement, and mm. you know, around the Green Bay scene, as it were, yeah, coming back on many many occasions, just one of those guys that that loved the Packers, mm. you know, loved Green Bay, loved the loved the Packers long after he'd retired, very successful business career etc etc but you know think of willie davis you just think of that smile as well don't you that great big smile that 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 willie had and um yeah nicknamed dr feel good (laughs) so he was he's at 93 and a half right now officially the the unofficial number is going to move up and you know 
whether it's 99, whether it's once they dig it up, whether it's nearing that 110 mark. Is there anybody, Peter, that with this new discovery and this new deep dive that is going to benefit from these new stats that maybe is not in a team's hall of fame or not in the professional hall of fame that with these stats being uncovered by these two great guys that have done the work and God bless them. Is there anybody that, that benefits from this? Um, I'm not sure off the, off the, off the top of my head. I mean, I think all of those old players benefit by the fact that we've now got some real numbers for them and mm -hmm. we can put them into perspective, whether there's a guy that, um, a Jason Taylor type, obviously not Jason Taylor because yeah. all of his sacks were official, yeah. but but somebody that's got a big number of sacks like that, but from say the sixties or seventies, who who really has for whatever reason been been forgotten. I'm I'm sure that in that list, there's probably one or two players whose Hall of Fame cases potentially will be helped by having some numbers to be able to put against them. But I don't have any any names off the top of my head. Well, I just want to note for everybody that's listening that probably one of the best questions I've ever asked in 102 episodes. So uh, we're going to earmark that one and come back to it later. Is that all right with you guys? Um, yeah. You want to find out what, what the answer is to that question. You know, let me let me just ask Peter one. And, and I really hate this is probably the least favorite point that I've ever tried to make on this podcast. But when you talk about people who would benefit from that. And I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the purple people eaters with, with Alan Page and that crew, because those guys those guys were nasty, those guys were nasty, and none of them would have official stats. Yeah, so 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 Alan Page um, is now the leader for defensive tackles in in sacks with these numbers. I I, I can't remember what the number 148 sacks something like that for alan page 148.5 yeah there you go i missed the point five but they're from but, but 67 they're... though to, to 81 so he's yeah. all of his sacks are under the radar yeah <laughs> yeah you know 67 to 81 what's that 15 seasons 140 so so best part of average 10 sacks a season pretty much um and a great you know a great a great player already in the hall of fame i guess that the missing one for the vikings just you mentioned those guys you mentioned the purple people leaders who's not in the hall of fame is jim marshall you know and he played best part of a 20 20 year career i don't know what his sack number has come out to 130.5 right so, so 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 he could be a potential now that there's a number to say you know does that help his case i don't know because that's spread over a lot of years i think 19 seasons or 20 seasons jim marshall played yeah um 19 you know, seasons yeah that's crazy because he held that record of consecutive games played that, that Brett Favre broke. Um, so Marshall could Marshall could be one. But certainly it's good to get some numbers on those guys when, you know, if, if you were to add together the sacks of Marshall and Page and Carlella, like you're saying, um, it would be an incredible number. And it'd be interesting actually to compare those numbers with those maybe of the Rams mm -hmm. of the of the of the sixties, you know, Deacon Jones and those guys. Merlin Olsen and, and those guys that played for the Rams. And it's 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 great, and, you know, and, and we accept that it's not perfect, but it's nice to be able to put some stuff into perspective. And, and that really is a fair kind of comparison, you know, yeah. same, same, same size league, same era, playing the same talent, you know, playing against the same talent. 
that's that's it's really hard to find fair comparisons. Mm-hmm. That one really, I think, would be a good one. Yeah, I mean, they have, uh, you know, it's weird that they have pre-82 stats for some of these guys and not stats for other guys. You know, all of the Ellers, Jim Marshall. Yeah. Alan yeah Pitch, and... That all played from 60s to the, to the late 70s, all before the stats were, were held. Yeah, and it's, it's like I say, it's nice to put some perspective on, on this. And, and I'm sure as the years go by and more stuff creeps out of the woodwork, you know, there'll be a game film that, I'm sure that John Turney and Nick Webster never came across that somebody's got somewhere that will creep out of the woodwork. And the eight sack day performed by <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be crazy. Yeah, and it's amazing when you think, you know, I think we mentioned yesterday, Eric, that, you know, the game film for Super Bowl one didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, the, all of the official game had been taped, taped over. And when they did the recently, <laughs> In the last few years, they, they recreated it from a bit of TV footage, a bit of film that NFL films had, a bit of, you know, films that somebody found in their garage and, and whatever, whatever yeah. else. So, yeah. uh, you know, there'll be, there'll be stuff out there still that will eventually come to light, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, that's great. Well, this was a fun discussion, guys. Uh, appreciate your time, Peter. Thank you. You know, coming over here and talking about this top 10 list, I know that, these two guys that are doing the job and doing the dirty work, and I don't know if any of these films at this point get digitized, you know, if teams have gone back in their archives and start digitizing these things, but the process has got to be extremely, extremely exhausting. I mean, it's just so much film to review. So God bless them for doing this, and uh, I, I'm certain it's going to change some people's lives. Um, for the better so anyway thank you peter for joining us this has been another fun episode guys we uh we have been having a blast this is going to be episode 103 yesterday eric we did a little episode with the unpacked boys from the uk as well and uh the show before that was andy herman at 101 i mean is 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 our life at the acme army as good as it gets or no it is good good well said thank you thank you (laughs) all right buddy with that take us out Well, first of all, as always, thank you for your time, Peter. Uh, your contributions can't be measured. Earlier, Eric mentioned something about uh, you know bringing a historian onto the uh, Acme Army uh, <laughs> for a reference, and I'm like, I have an idea who we should beg. <laughs> um, and and one one last comment that that separates you know we talked a little bit about the uh, the '60s Packers. One of the things beyond the record and the, and the uh, performance that really needs to get appreciated is the development as people that Lombardi's coaching did his his you you find me any other sport any other era where those players have gone on to achieve greatness beyond football not related to football Mm -hmm. I mean you can go right down the line all of them successful business owners successful at everything they did and that's just not something you see anymore um, so I don't know why I wanted to kick that out there, but I did. I just think that uh, those guys are special, and we should definitely be doing some uh, some deeper dives uh, in uh, in our uh, in our special uh, specialty looks at uh, players of the past uh, because that's where it all kind of came from. You know, now they were great before the '60s. Don't get me wrong; we had eras of uh, 
you know, the Don Hudson's and the Iron Arbors and all those guys. But I think on a national level, it really kind of took off in the 60s. Um, anyways, with that, uh, again, thanks to Peter. Thank you, Eric. Um, everybody, we're getting so close, you can almost taste it. It's the geyser. <laughs> I mean, the reservations have been made. Uh, I think uh, I think this is getting to be close to the best time of the year, and I know all, all of us are so looking forward to the preseason that we didn't get last year. And, of course, <laughs> the establishment of KB Nento as potential All-Pro is uh, something that we can't ever overlook. And with that, uh, thanks again, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Was that the longest outro you've ever done in the history of the show? I am. I am. <laughs> and I almost teared up there about the Packers. <laughs> oh, you softy. Uh, gentlemen, so much fun to have you back. I mean, I don't even know how to describe that episode, but uh, ended it with a bang. Thank you, Peter Jones, for joining us. Uh, Peter's going to be joining us uh, more. We got uh, episodes coming up a lot this week. We got uh, A Boogie coming out. We got ARD. We got Bruce Edmonds. It's going to be a great week here at the Acme Army. Thanks for listening, liking, following. Hey, make sure you go out. Give us that five-star rating on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And don't forget to jump on Anchor FM if you have that on your phone downloaded it for free hit us up you can message the show you can leave us a voice message let's interact a lot of fun season's around the corner though keep rocking we're almost there most importantly just fucking be nice to one another all right so easy love you